tell the people what you want, teach them some skills, and then let them come up with the ideas and they will amaze you. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation, and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Before we jump into it, I wanted to read this week's reviews. Big shout out to T. Isaacs for excellent work. Five-star review. Paige is the reason why this podcast has continued to mature and attract new listeners. Her poise and professionalism through her the interview process allows the interviewee to feel comfortable enough to act like themselves and provide a thought-provoking insight about their related fields. This was definitely the case in the interview with Mayor Turner. The laughter between them was as real as it gets. Excellent interview, and I hope everyone out there will give it a listen. Thanks, T. Isaacs. Thanks for all the fantastic reviews, guys. You've really outdone yourself. So be sure to go into iTunes and leave a review. And you too will also get a big shout out on the show. So let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm sitting here this afternoon at the Capitol Grill City Center with my guest, Matt Bouchet, president and CEO of Clock Spring Company. And he also serves on the board of the Interstate Natural Gas Association. How are you this afternoon, Matt? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Pretty good. Before we go deeper into your current role, can you tell us how you got started in the industry? Sure. You know, I got into the the energy industry in about 2010. I spent the first 16 years of my career in the in the technology industry, mm-hmm. and then transferred over into the the oil and gas industry uh, in in the industrial services space in in 2010. And then I've been in the oil and gas industry focused on on transforming and improving businesses since 2010. Perfect. So what compelled you to get started in the oil and gas industry? I was actually working at Dell mm-hmm. and you know went, went to UT, got my MBA. Hook them. Hook them. That's right. We're going to have a good year, I think. I hope so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and, and I, was, I was working at Dell in, in Austin. And of course, back in the early 90s, mid 90s, going up to 2000, uh, you know, Dell was like a big shiny rocket ship. Oh and, yeah, absolutely. And got a lot of different experiences. Got to work in in all parts of the company, marketing, sales, finance, operations, and then you know got pulled out by by some colleagues who had who had been recruited into senior executive roles to to help them with with other businesses and ended up for a very two year stint in a retail business, actually working for Payless Shoe Source. Really? So everybody's familiar with Payless Shoe Source. Everybody either went there as a kid or, or took their kids there. I to still get shoes. Go. Yeah, exactly. And had some acquisition experience in my background and, and had a lot of consumer business experience in my background. I spent a lot of time in, in Dell inside the consumer business. And Payless was looking for somebody f- who understood consumer businesses, understood the speed of a retail transactional business, which we had at Dell, and who also understood mergers and acquisitions because they were in the purpose, they were in the process of buying the StrideRight Corporation. Okay. So more kids' shoes. Right. <laughs> and and I went in there and and helped them knit that together. And I got a call from a recruiter a, a couple years later. And 
they were looking for somebody who had big company experience, who had sort of the classic MBA top school background, and who also understood retail locations. And at Payless, we had 4,300 retail locations. And at Coolix Hydrochem had 25 branch locations. And what prior executives had struggled with in, in, in the CFO role, which was the role I, I took ultimately when I joined, was how to manage that distributed infrastructure, deal with the financial optics of 25 different P&Ls coming together in one P&L, how do you optimize all that? And so that's how I actually got into the energy space. And, and of course, I was excited about it uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I had moved up to Kansas to work at Payless, and it was a great place to live, but I had the opportunity to come back to Texas. Yeah, I got to come back and home. that was fantastic. Yeah, once you get the smell on you, it's hard to get it off. I so, know. You, know, you just, you just want to <laughs> hold on to it. And so I had the opportunity to come back to Texas, and, and then I've been in that space ever since. I, I migrated from Hydrochem over to PSC, which had a competitive business to the Hydrochem business. I worked in their environmental services business for a few years. We That company was owned by a private equity firm called Lindsey Goldberg. Uh-huh. And we transformed that business. That business was struggling a little bit when I went in, and, and I was part of the team that helped turn that around. And you know, we sold it for a very successful result for the the owners, and that business still exists. A piece of it got bought by Stericycle, who we're all familiar with. And and the other piece of it still exists today. They're actually, in fact, in the midst of a very large merger, bringing together my old company, Hydrochem, <laughs> and my old company, PSC. So I'm excited for all those people there well, I and can what tell that's going to bring for them. I can tell you're still excited, too. Yeah. I love the energy. Uh, you know, I love the energy industry. I love the space. Uh, you know, it's funny. I began my career in technology. And and everyone, you know, technology's sexy, right? It's, right. it's computers and it's software it's and Silicon it's, Valley it's the internet and it's Google and all these things. And you know, I tell you what, I don't think we in the energy industry take enough credit for what we really are. We are a technology industry all by ourselves. Oh, absolutely. You know, and if you think about it, go back to gosh, what was it? Two thousand seven, two thousand eight. gas, the world is ending, we're going to be dependent on Saudi Arabia for the rest of our lives, and just 13 years later, not even 13 years, it's going to be almost 13 years, so I don't really know how that happened, by the way, Uh, (laughs) but but, just 13 years later, we have the largest proven oil reserves in the world, we're the largest producer in the world, that was technology that did that, and not to mention... You know, just drive down I-10 and look at all the cranes on I-10 that have been there for the last few years building crackers and and new units and refineries and and things like this. You know, such an amazing, innovative, you know, industry. And and how could you not want to be part of something like that? And and how could you not be excited to be part of it every day? Because, you know, the stuff we do, it affects people's lives. And it's not just about filling up your gas tank and getting back and forth to work, right? It's making the lights in the building come on. It's it's making the IV tubes that keep, you know, a loved one alive. Right. And and we're you know, we're all just part of that. In some small way, we're all just part of that. And right. and just look at everything in this room. Yeah, everything in this room and we're sitting on it. Right. And and so, you know, I worked at PSC and and, and they're coming together with, with Hydrochem and, and and once we transacted out of that business Lindsay Goldberg asked me to go over to a company uh, they own called the Brock Group, mm-hmm. and and you might many of y'all will see them when you drive up and down the Beltway. Yeah. They've got a large building halfway between I ten and and two ninety on the west side of the Beltway. Saw it on the, my way here. There you go, 
And you know, Brock Group is a very large company. It's it's it goes into the category of a really large company you've never heard of. <laughs> and you know, we had seventeen thousand employees when I was there. Wow. Uh, I had two different roles there. I worked as both their CFO and then later as their COO. Mm-hmm. And again, was part of transforming that business. It and and I don't want to make it sound like that business wasn't performing, but it just wasn't doing everything it could do. Right. And so. Yeah, I was part of a team that was brought in to help move that business in a, a better, you know, good to great direction. And uh, and then I had the opportunity to join Clockspring, which has been an amazing almost 18 months now. Well, and, tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, Clockspring is is, you know, the largest, uh, oldest, most successful composite pipeline repair company in the world. Started in in, in 1989. By, by a man named Norm Foley. And it actually started out in California. And they were working on things like air tanks for firemen. Mm-hmm. And that business has since grown up and, and become a very important piece of the business. It's actually, you, know, you talk about life-saving. Yeah. You know, 30 years ago, they wore steel tanks. And the, the capacity of those steel tanks for the guys who would go into the buildings was very limited. Right. And by thinning out the wall of the steel tanks, putting a composite... On the outside of that wall, you're able to dramatically increase the capacity, lower the weight at the same time. Yeah, that's incredibly important. Right? Because, you know, you're wearing all this stuff and it's yeah. it's hot inside those buildings. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, that's great. And then they were, they were making some of the first natural gas, gas tanks for cars and, and buses and trucks. And, and then they made Clockspring. And, and, you know, Clockspring is the business that, that is still part of sort of the original, the original trio of companies that that was founded by Norm and some investment partners up in New York, and and like I said, we've been around for about twenty years. Uh, the company was you know, ha- had a modest amount of success over that time. Again, you know, we are the the largest single provider of of, of composite repair methods in the world, and we do sell our products in seventy countries around the world. And you know, but but a few years ago, business started to tail off a little bit. And the board decided to make a change and, and asked me to come in and, and again lead a transformation. Take a company that had been, you know, a solid overall performer and try to make it into something, you know, more significant, larger. And we've had some great success so far in the last eighteen months. We've 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 been able to grow the business by forty percent all organically. We haven't wow. bought anything or done anything like That's that. That's pretty so impressive. The, yeah, the, it's it's been great. And, you know, we've done it by by you know winning back some customers who had who'd walked away from us. We've done it by selling uh, additional products to customers we already have, making them more aware of the other things that we do. And we've done it by with a focus on developing our people. So we didn't say, "Hey customer, you want to do this stuff." We said, "Hey, all you folks that work for us, let's develop your skill set and let's teach you how to go do these things." And that's really been the focus of our transformation is up-leveling the skill set of our team. Room and, for growth. That's yeah, it. it's, it's been great. I mean, we've been able to promote people and be able to move people into roles that they're really excited about. And, you know, at the same time, we've been able to drive our gross profit margins up by quite a bit. We, we implemented lean in our factory. Right. And so we've been able to take out a lot of waste. And, and that's important for two reasons. Of course, we get to make more money. But, you know, more importantly... We take steps out of the process, which makes it safer for everybody. Right. right. You're not likely to get hurt something if you don't do it. 
you're not likely to get hurt doing something if you don't do it. Right. And, you know, we've also been able to eliminate a lot of stuff that we throw away. And that, of course, is better for the environment. Right. And so, you know, we, we feel like we've been really blessed in the last 18 months with, with what we've been able to accomplish with the business. And, and now we've got all kinds of new things that are happening. We're coming out with several new products. We will be announcing, you know, two really exciting new products in, in the not too distant future. I'm sorry, I won't kind of go <laughs> into it, but we've got some products that we're pretty excited about. And then we've been demonstrating some additional products and we have talked about those wider width products and, and, and products that are a little easier to use and install. And we've, we've been talking about those in, in various forms. Well, it sounds like everything's very exciting for you and has been, and you said you've been blessed, but what are some of the real challenges you've been through? You know, it's always a challenge I'm a glass half full guy, right? So I'm right. like I'm like the eternal optimist. I'm always going to talk about how great it is. But it 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 hasn't always been easy. And and I don't want to make anyone think that it's it's easy to do these things. You know, the challenge is getting people to buy in and getting them excited about the change. Just like you are. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, at first, I'll be frank, they mostly think I'm a raving lunatic. <laughs> But, you know, if you're consistent and, and if you back up what you say, in other words, if you say, you know, I'm not going to do this for you, I'm going to teach you how to do it. And then you actually spend the money in the training and the resources. And then you come back and you put in management oversight to help reinforce the things that you taught and you measure and manage to the things that you taught. All of a sudden they do start to buy in. And not everybody buys in. So, you know, as much as I like to talk about how much some of these folks have grown and I'm, you know, I'm just so proud to be associated with them and, 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 and how much they've changed. Not everybody's made the transition. Yeah. You know, we've had a couple of longtime employees who just, you know, who didn't buy in. Didn't like the change. They didn't like the change. They didn't think what we were doing was maybe the right direction for the business. They thought they knew better, you know, whatever it is. And you know, that's the difficult part yeah. is, you know, now you're taking someone who's, who's been in the business, who's been successful and you're telling them, Hey, look, what made you successful up until now isn't what's going to continue to make you successful. Maybe not in life, but certainly at this company as we go forward. Right. And, you know, these people have children and homes and cars and kids in college or, or, you know, whatever. And, you know, you're, you're impacting their lives. And those to me are the real challenges and, you know, that and making sure that everybody stays safe. Yeah. That's the other thing. Excellent. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be? So never stop learning. I like to tell people, well, I know this to be true. I'm not very smart, but what I do know is there's lots of smart people out there and, you know, we can take things from these great minds that are out there, whether it's, it's leadership things and we're looking at, you know, a John Wooden or we're reading team of rivals or, you know, we're, we're reading, you know, about Dick Winters, right? The biggest brother. Yeah. All these things, they help us learn. Right. And, you know, heck, even Harry Potter, right? I mean, it's all about <laughs> treating people right. And it's one of my favorite book series ever. <laughs> how, how can you not love it? I know. And, and, you know, how just keep learning and, and then keep taking those things and trying to apply them. 
you know, in some of these books, right, they're worthless, right? I mean, you read it and you're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that was a waste of time. But usually there's one thing even in there that you that you can you, you can kind of take out and really apply. Yeah. And you know, so that's that that would be my my piece of advice. Never keep learning and never stop applying what you've learned. Incredible advice. What book influenced you the most? So two things. Okay. First, not so much a book, a poem. Oh. And it's Ulysses by James Joyce. Mm. And the poem ends to strive, to seek to find, but not to yield. So to me, that's, that's never stop learning, never give up. When you find an answer, go look for the next thing and just never give up, never give up on that, that journey. And, you know, I love both fiction and nonfiction. Uh, my favorite fiction book is, is actually Moby Dick. Yeah. And <laughs> it's kind of a long read. And the first couple of chapters when, when Queequeg and Ishmael are meeting, they're a little rough to get through. But once you get into the time at sea, it, it really picks up speed. And you actually can watch a leader make all the wrong decisions. Yeah. Just get completely focused on a goal and make all the wrong decisions. But, you know, then from a, from a business book perspective, you know, one that I really enjoyed lately is it's called Right Away and All at Once. And it was written by the former Continental Airlines CEO and, and, on, and about the journey that he went on. And, and it that, talks about transformation and how to do it and how to keep it simple and how to get everybody in, involved. You know, he talks about picking three to five things that you're going to do really well and not doing anything more than those three to five things. And, you know, if you were to ask my team, they tell you, I stay focused on those three to five things. Well, you kind of have to because it gets overwhelming. It, otherwise. it does. And there's, there's just so much coming at you from so many directions and, you know, different opportunities. And, and, uh, you know, we have a very clearly articulated strategy that we're trying to drive forward with our business. And, you know, there are compelling opportunities that come our way that are sort of off of that strategy. And very often I have to say, you know, no to the team to say, hey, look, we're not going to do that. I, I see what an opportunity is. I see how cool it is. But we got to stay focused on what we're doing because that's what we've committed to. And that's really what we're driving forward on. And it, and it does actually mean having the discipline to, you know, not pick up a few shiny objects, which might be kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, the other thing in right away and all at once that he talks about is let the inmates run the asylum, right? And which right. is, which is, you know, tell the people what you want, teach them some skills, and then let them come up with the ideas and they will amaze you. <laughs> Been the best part of the journey. Awesome. Who's your most respected competitor? We have one competitor. They're called Citadel Technologies. They're, they're quite a bit smaller than us, mm -hmm. but they've invested very heavily in engineering and they're, they're committed to competing the right way. In other words, they're not out there. They're out there trying to win business on their own merits mm -hmm. rather than uh, trying to, to, to do things that maybe aren't quite about their own merits and, and more about maybe other shortcomings. And, and I really appreciate that about them. And, and, and I know their on, owner, Roger, and he's, a, he's an upstanding guy. He's a good guy. And, you know, every chance I get the opportunity to, to run into him in an airport or, in fact, there's actually one customer that we're both chasing after right now. And, and you know, we've run into each other coming in and out of different <laughs> meetings. And, you know, he's a good guy. And I like to talk to him and say hi to him. And, and of course, I say, hey, look, I, you know, I'm hopeful that we're going to beat you on this deal. And he says, well, I hope for the same for us. But, uh, you know, it's a good relationship. That's quite respectful. Yeah. What would you say is your most important lesson learned? I'm going to go back to Ulysses. 
never give up. Never give up. You know, we, we talk about business and, and, and the team and the evolution of the team and, and how the business is, has changed over time. But, you know, every single day, every single day, there's a setback. We didn't get an order shipped on time. We didn't win that deal. We weren't able to get this piece of the product roadmap done on time or, or, you know, heck, somebody just couldn't make it into work today because, you know, their, 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 their life got them sideways. And, and of course we want them to deal with that. But, you know, these are all setbacks that we have to deal with in business every single day. You know, heck, we couldn't come to work for a week because it was raining real hard outside here in Houston. <laughs> and, you know, if you let it, those little setbacks could start to get you down. Yeah. And you, you just got to stay persistent. You got, you just, you just, you know, you never yield. You never yield. Excellent. What would you say is your favorite podcast? There is a podcast out right now. It's called How I Built This. Oh, I think I've heard of it. It's fantastic. It is, it's produced by NPR. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, they do such great podcasts anyway, right? I loved right. Serial. Yes. And, <laughs> you know, some of the other ones they do, but there's one that's called How I Built This. And it's produced by Guy Raz or, or it's, it's, it's hosted by Guy Raz. And what he does is he goes around and he actually interviews business leaders for how they built their businesses. So he interviewed the five guys guy. Yeah. And that was awesome because I love five guys. And he interviewed the woman who started Rent the Runway. Oh, really? And, you know, Rent the Runway is very important in my house. You know, my, my daughter goes to many events and I'll tell you, she's able to get a great dress and I don't have to spend a, a fortune on it. And, and then she sends it back. And it sounds a little weird to think about renting clothes, but, but what she's really running is the experience in the Facebook pictures. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and we do, we have a stack of dresses in our house that have just, you know, been worn once and never been worn again. <laughs> and so and that was a great one. And then uh, another important one in my house, not less, less important to me, but more important to my wife, the Kendra Scott one, and talks about how she built her business. And so it's, it's a great podcast for if you're interested in business, but also just if you're interested in people and how they, how they, how they deal with the challenges in their lives. And I think there's a lot we can learn from each other by listening to things like well, that. Well, Kendra Scott definitely has had a couple Right. I mean, she got a store right up, right up the street from I, here. So. I know. I feel it's only appropriate that we announce this week's winner of the $200 steak dinner from the Capital Grill. Congratulations to Chris P. If you want to win a $200 steak dinner from the Capital Grill, and why wouldn't you, right? Visit www.bulwark.com forward slash podcast every week. Enter your information and listen to next week's show to see if your name is chosen. As always, a link will be provided in the show notes to make it easier to enter. As the relentless protector of those that power the world, Bulwark is the leader, not to mention the largest manufacturer of flame-resistant clothing globally. So once you've signed up for that steak dinner, be sure to check out the rest of Bulwark's website to learn more. And since Oil and Gas Global Network's calendar is filled with events, I also need to thank our on-the-road travel sponsors. So Lee Hecht Harrison is the world's leading talent development and transition company that helps businesses simplify the transformation of their talent and workforces to accelerate results and reduce risk. They also help individuals build their careers within their companies or transition into new opportunities. So visit www lhh.com for more information about that. And then we have Total Land Technologies, and they have the world's most advanced field land management system, which is the Landman Virtual Office. So visit www.totalland.com 
com for more information about them. Thank you so much for joining me today, even though the weather was awful, Matt. If people want to reach out to you, get to know more about you and your company, where should they go? They can go to www.clockspring, and that's clock just like the thing on your wall, and spring just like... Uh you know, the thing that when it comes out of something, you can never get back in <laughs> uh, www.clockspring.com. And there's all kinds of information about our company. My bio's up there. Other executive bios are up there. And, and it's a great way to get in touch with us. Did you want to talk a little bit more about the Interstate Natural Gas Association? Yeah, the Interstate Natural Gas Association is, is a group of, of all the major interstate natural gas providers in the country. And, and I actually said that the, the foundation board of directors. So it's okay. a foundation that is funded by the, the companies of the natural gas industry. So the, the Kinder Morgans, the, the Enbridges, uh, the Pacific Gas and Electrics, all those guys. Yeah. And, and what we do is we focus on, on a few things, you know, the most important of which is funding studies so that we can understand how to be better partners to the community. Right. So, you know, how do we how do we properly plan right away so that we don't impact people's lives? How do we think about, you know, the environment and and take the environment into account in everything that we do? How do we take care of safety and take that into account in everything we do? And then we also are very active in promoting dig safe, which I always want to put out there anytime I have a chance, uh, especially here in Houston. 811. 811. Uh, you know, I was actually driving here into this this meeting with you today. And, you know, just right down the street from here, all kinds of piles of stuff from people's homes. And, you know, there's going to be lots of work going on in Houston for the next few years. Some of it people are going to be doing themselves. And, you know, if you're going to be outside and you're going to have a shovel in your hand, call 811, get the lines marked out. It is way better to take the time to do that than it is to end up in the hospital, you know, hurt or worse. So and if you and if you smell that that rotten egg smell, call Centerpoint. Call Centerpoint. They'll come out. It's a free service. Yes. And you know, hopefully, it's just you know a non-event, but definitely worth worth the call. Well, so I was looking at the website last night. It was quite resourceful. There's a there's a lot of stuff. Uh, if people don't know about mm-hmm. pipelines, it, there's 101 and and all kinds of different. It's a phenomenal papers. resource, and that's a, that's another big part of of what we do at Inga is we educate the public about. You know, the natural gas industry, transmission pipelines, and then we do a quadrennial survey mm-hmm. where we talk about, you know, spending and growth and, and infrastructure. And it really is an important group. When you think about it, you know, there's three million miles of buried pipe in the United States. I know. And most of it was built at the same time as the Eisenhower interstate system. Yeah. So there's quite a lot of work that has to get done every single year taking care of that infrastructure so that we can continue to move stuff all around this great country of ours and getting not only just energy to people, but, but getting the, the, the material that needs to be made to make those, those products that are just so important in our daily lives, whether it's the IV tubes or the chairs we're sitting on or the tires we're driving on. Right. And if people want to learn more about that, where do they? They can go to www.ingaa.org. Perfect. All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Bulwark's Oil and Gas Industry Leaders podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.